This is Bill Wagner of Bearing Asset Management, and you're listening to RunToGold.com. Welcome back to the RunToGold.com podcast. I have a special guest with us today, uh, Thomas Woods. He's a senior fellow at the Ludwig von Mises Institute, bastion for Austrian economics. He holds a degree from Harvard in history and a PhD from Columbia. And he has a new book out called Nullification, How to Resist Federal Tyranny in the 21st Century. Welcome, Tom. Thanks very much, Trace. When I was in law school, we didn't hardly, we never talked about the 10th Amendment. And uh, when I was studying for the bar, they said if there was a, if there was an answer that mentioned the Tenth Amendment, it was wrong. Can you give us a little bit of an overview about what nullification is and how the states can apply this? Yeah, well, it, it is linked to the idea of the Tenth Amendment. It's, it's so funny how the, the legal establishment hates and tries to downplay or smear the Tenth Amendment, when in fact the principle of the Tenth Amendment, that the states retain all powers not delegated to the federal government, was told to people as having been implicit in the Constitution as drafted. In other words, before there even was a Tenth Amendment to the Constitution, supporters of the Constitution told told people that, in effect, it was already implied in the Constitution. This is the very principle that law schools try to pretend doesn't exist or is just stupid. Supporters of the document itself said this principle is already implicitly contained in it. So nullification just follows from this. It's It comes from Thomas Jefferson and then, in turn, uh, through others since then. Jefferson said that if the federal government tries to exercise a power that's not one of the delegated powers, it tries to exercise a power that would be unconstitutional, then the states should not enforce it within their borders. That, that is to say, they should nullify it. And Jefferson himself is deriving this idea from the Virginia Ratifying Convention in 1788. 1788, Virginians were very skeptical of the Constitution. A lot of them were. Virginia was probably the most important state at that time. And so many of our great statesmen came from Virginia. I mean, obviously, James Madison, Thomas Jefferson, Patrick Henry, George Mason, the list goes on and on. So it's very important to get Virginia in. And there were skeptics, Patrick Henry among them, who said, this Constitution is going to yield you a government that will be impossible to control. It'll grow beyond our ability to imagine. It's got phrase in there that can be loopholes for ambitious politicians. And Patrick Henry was told, don't worry. And this is supporters of the Constitution talk. Don't worry. The federal government will have only the powers expressly delegated to it. And if the federal government should attempt to exercise any additional powers, don't worry. Virginia will be exonerated from those additional powers. So in effect, there's the germ of nullification right there in the state ratifying convention. Now, this is not talked about. The stuff I've just said is, I mean, you if you picked up an American history textbook, you would be more likely to read that I, Tom Woods, am the king of England than you would to read any of that history. <laughs> kind of goes right along with our principle of judicial review, which is outside the scope of this interview. But yeah, there, there are certain things that the establishment out of Washington definitely doesn't want to talk about. Nullifications, one of those. How can nullification and this principle help a state become an attractive place for capital, both human and economic? A place where people want to go and do business there because, you know, we've got these huge unfunded liabilities that are hanging out there like a Damocles sword on the economy. We've paralyzed the entrepreneur. They're withdrawing from engaging in the economy, providing value because we've got all these regulations, just pages and pages that come out in the Federal Register. How can states use nullification to create an attractive business climate for people? Hi, it's Ian Gordon from longwaygroup.com and you're listening to Run to Gold. Yeah, it's a good question. Well, let me start by saying that when we're when you're in an economic crisis such as the one that you know, we continue to be in, I think people become willing to entertain ideas that they would otherwise reject, that people are willing to put a lot of possibilities on the table. 
They become skeptical of experts. They become more willing to listen to heterodoxy. So certainly we saw that in the, the sudden meteoric rise of the interest in the Austrian school. It, it was mostly due to Ron Paul, but, but also just simply because there's an economic crisis. The experts don't seem to know what on God's green earth caused it. And yet these Austrians seem to have been calling it for quite some time, and they have an explanatory basis for accounting for it. So suddenly people became interested in that. Well, likewise with nullification. You know, I think five years ago, people would have said, well, this is just a crazy idea. Well, first of all, it's not a crazy idea. I mean, I think my hope in my book, Nullification, is to show how non-crazy it is, how based it is in American history, in the Constitution, common sense, morality, everything you can name demands that you have a power of nullification. But I think now, uh, could you imagine, let's say, I mean, even right now, but let's say, how about four or five years from now, let's say the economy is just still stagnating, no sign of recovery, or maybe even worse, we've, we've dipped downward substantially. I mean, that's certainly quite possible. Let's suppose that you had a few charismatic governors from influential states who said, all right, look, the federal government obviously is not interested in economic recovery. They've proven that in their policies. And so, okay, they may want to bring the country down and, and destroy it and ruin the economy, but I'm the governor. I'm responsible to the people in this particular state. And in this state, we are going to try to carve out some type of livable existence here. We're going to try to carve out the most attractive business climate we possibly can. So beginning tomorrow, I am hereby appointing the following commission to go through the state budget line by line, and I want you to identify for me every single line in which we are spending money on some unconstitutional federal mandate that we know and they know perfectly well are unconstitutional. And from now on, we're just not doing it anymore. The money does not exist. There is no more government fairy who's going to produce money out of thin air. The, the game is over, and we're just not doing it. Now, there would be tremendous popular support, particularly in certain states, like where a governor had the guts <laughs> to do that. Yeah, like Texas. Unfortunately, the problem with Texas is that anybody who manages to get elected as governor of Texas always has ambitions to become president, and that usually clouds his judgment. He, he always feels like, I better be restrained, I better not do anything that's you know not in the John McCain slash uh, Mitch McConnell playbook. You know, I got to stay Mr. Moderate. Uh, so unfortunately, maybe they wouldn't do that. On the other hand, maybe there would be some governors who would realize that there's popular support for this. Chris Christie is getting a lot of support in New Jersey for just saying, we're slashing and burning because this is absolutely necessary. Well, add the slashing and burning, combine that with, and by the way, we are sticking our, uh, our you know the middle finger in the face of the feds who are imposing unlawful requirements on us, and they're contributing to our, our rotten economy. I'd love to, to sit back and watch the fireworks. <laughs> yeah, and especially if you could get a state that's got enough critical mass. I mean, yeah, Texas or Florida or who knows, maybe even California, because it's just such a mess out there uh, budgetarily. That, uh, yeah, and, and, yeah, exactly, exactly. That, that, I mean, look, obviously we have to do this. We do not have the money. Or I wonder if even conversely it might be the case that if we had a couple small, uninfluential states do it, the federal government might figure it's not even worth bothering. You know, who cares if North Dakota isn't enforcing no child left behind? You know, we'll, we'll live with it. But it would be a precedent for the future. And, and we see what they've done with their state banks. So, uh, yeah, I mean, North Dakota might, uh, or another small state like a New Hampshire or something could. And, and I, sh I should point out with regard to the economy, you know, we're, we're hearing about cap and trade back on the table again. There are already several states drafting cap and trade nullification legislation. And I would assume North Dakota would have to be on board there. I mean, theirs is a completely energy-dominated economy. I mean, that's that's what they do. They, I mean, they would be ruined. They would be completely ruined by that stuff. So so that if they could get away with that, or just the prospect of just annoying the federal government and, and, and reminding people that it is possible to say no to these guys. Well, you know, I can't guarantee this is going to work, but I can guarantee that staying on the path we're on, just voting for some stooge every four years, that certainly is not going to work. Well, well, and sometimes it's just in the mere flexing of your rights that you're able to exert a lot of political pain. I know whenever, yeah. whenever I deal with law 
enforcement officers, it's no officer, I don't consent to any searches, or officer, am I free to leave? Just to just to exert the uh, the constitutional rights instead of rolling over like some dead possum and, and letting them pilfer through all of my belongings when I know they're not going to find anything, so I don't want to be wasting taxpayer money in that way. So likewise, I think that we're going to see a little bit more, especially as the money continues getting tight uh, between states competing for the capital, getting people to move there, because, you know, the young people, they're coming out of school now with 19.6% unemployment. And what happens when immigration starts happening in the opposite way? When people are like, oh man, there are plenty of jobs over here in Hong Kong. And so the best and the brightest start leaving America as opposed to coming uh, into it. We see Texas already catering to the young people, uh, at, trying to bring the job climate in favor and, and create jobs for the young people. So do you think that we might see some of the states working uh, in this manner to, to attract that capital? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, certainly just taking everything in their own power, you know, their own state sales and property taxes and other things like that. Certainly they can do all of that. And then you can couple that with attempts to stand up to the feds. And, you know, the best known case of nullification in American history was when South Carolina nullified the tariffs in the 1830s. And what wound up happening was the federal government reached a compromise with them and said, all right, how about if we lower the tariffs over the next 10 years? Well, all our historians are big nationalists and they hate nullification. And so all our historians say, well, that just went to show nullification is a failure and it doesn't work. Are you kidding me? That's exactly how it's supposed to work, where both sides say, look, I'm not going to do what you want. You're not going to do what I want. So now let's make some type of agreement. And that's exactly how it's supposed to work. Yeah. And, and that's to show that, you know, we've got the political framework, at least somewhat there, that we can work our way out. You know, we, we could come to grips with the problem that we've got and we could solve it and still have our, our institutions and be able to provide a climate where we can still generate a nice standard living. We don't have to go back into the Stone Age or or become an Argentina. Yeah, exactly right. And yet that is exactly where we're heading if, if, uh, if we don't begin thinking in a different way. This has been a fascinating interview, Mr. Woods. Thank you. And we're out of time. So everybody, you've been listening to the RunToGold.com podcast. Thanks. That was a wonderful interview with Tom Woods. Very powerful. And I recommend you look at www.tomwoods.com. That way you can uh, learn more about his work and get a copy of nullification. This is Anthem Blanchard, CEO of NewMetra, and you're listening to RunToGold.com.